Just for a few moments tonight, I want to just talk about uh, believing a good report. Say that with me. Believing a good report. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse number 1. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal. Time to break down and a time to build up. Time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn. Time to dance. A time to cast away stones. Time to gather stones. A time to embrace. A time to refrain. A time from embracing. A time for grain. A time to loose. A time to keep. A time to throw away. A time to tear. Time to sow. A time to keep silent. A time to speak. A time to love. A time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Lord, we just pray your blessings upon your word tonight, and I pray that everything that is said tonight would bring you the glory and the honor, and everyone said amen. This is a familiar passage of scripture that we've all heard. Ecclesiastes here, the author makes this long description about life is full of seasons. There's a time for this, and a time for that, and a time for this, and a time for that. I think you got the, the point. He said there's a time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to gather up stones, a time to throw stones. He was making a point that life is full of cycles and life is full of seasons. And all of you are in a season of life. All of us experience four seasons, don't we? There's four seasons. We all experience them. And just like we experience four seasons in our weather, there are seasons in our life. And I think that the author here in Ecclesiastes pinpoints that there are different times for different things. And as I read this, I've read this many times, and it really didn't stick to me. I mean, it, you know, I read it and thought, you know, well, that's okay. What's the point? All right. He goes down, there's a season for this, a season, a time to be born, a time to die. And you know what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying in this whole eight verses? That nowhere, when you read those eight verses, nowhere did it say there's a time to quit. Did you hear what I just said? Nowhere did it say you should quit. But when you read it, it says there's a time to laugh and a time to sow and a time to gather, a time to mourn, a time, a time to laugh, a time to gather stones, a time to gather grain, a time to sow, a time to reap, a time to be silent, a time to talk. But nowhere did the author say there is a time to quit. If you've got to cry your way through it, cry your way through it. If you've got to laugh your way through it, laugh your way through it. If you've got to weep your way through it, weep your way through it, but nowhere did the author say there's a time to quit. God has not called us to quit. He hasn't called us to give up. And there is not a season called quitting. There's not a season called giving up. Have you ever heard somebody say, I don't know how much more pressure I can take because if I get any more pressure, I'm just going to throw in the towel and give up. What are you going to give up to? What are you going to run back to? What are you going to go back to? And let me just make this loud and clear. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing to go back to. I said there is nothing to run back to. He's not called you to quit because there is not a season to quit. Nowhere should quitting be in your vocabulary. If you got to cry, you got to weep, you got to sow, you got to plant, you do whatever you got to do, but you can't quit. The author is clear that there is not a season called quitting. The Bible also says in the book of Galatians that God is not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. In other words, that God is a keeper of his word. You're not called to quit. You're not called to give up. You're called to go through seasons. And some seasons are worse than others. Some seasons are harder than others. Some seasons put pressure on us more than others. But you're not called to quit. And there's one thing that I learned in life and I learned in the seasons of my life, is that your faith will die in the desert because of the way that we view the enemy in the seasons of our life. People give up in the season, certain seasons of their life is because of the way they view the enemy. The scripture is very clear that there was 12 spies who went into the land and 10 of those spies they propagated a bad report. Because they propagated a bad report, they never went into the promised land. You see, it's the way you view the enemy. It's your perception of the enemy. Your, per, your perception is either your passport or your prison. Say that with me. My perception is either my passport or my prison. You see, it's all about your perception. It's the way you view the enemy. It's the way you view the seasons of your life. How do you view the season of, uh, of the life that you're in? Nowhere did the author say you are called to quit. If you're not called to quit, you've got to keep, keep on keeping on. And one of the things that I've discovered in life, and I think that it is so very clear, when I was reading Philippians chapter number 4, verse 8, I saw something that I never saw before, and I want you to see it tonight. Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to see this. Philippians chapter 4, and I think this is... I think that we miss a very vital key in the scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, my brethren, Philippians 4, 8, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now look at verse 9. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me do... For the God of peace will be with you. You see, we forget about that. We focus on the good report. We focus that we should meditate on these things. But the author here is very clear that you should do these things. See, we want to discover things, but we don't want to do the things that God has taught us to do. You see, the scripture is clear. Not only are you supposed to think on these things, but you are to do these things. He said in verse number 9, the things that you've learned and received of me and you saw these things, I need you to do these things. You see, if all we do is sit in church pews and think about good reports and think about good things and never do good things, then our faith is dead. Our faith is useless. If all we are doing is thinking on good things, let me tell you, the greatest mind battle that you ever face is between the ears. 
That, that, that's the, the greatest mind battle right there. It's right, right here between the ears. But you see what you have to understand in order for you to walk in victory, it's not just about thinking on good things. It's about doing good things. He said, I want you to think about it and I want you to do these things. Do these things. You're not called to quit. But if you're going to make it in the season of your life, you're going to have to learn to train your thoughts to think on a good report and not only think on things, but do the things. Why do people give up in the heat of the battle? They give up on the heat of the battle because their mind is not trained to think according to Scripture. It's a daily battle to align our mind according to the Word of God. But not only do you got to align your mind according to the Word of God, you've got to also do what the Word of God says to do. You've got to think and you've got to do as well. You see, the writer says there's a time for a lot of things, but there's not a time to quit. You've got to learn that in the seasons of your life, you've got to train your mind to think because you can't believe everything you think. You can't believe everything you think. Everything you think is not true and valid. Can I hear an amen? You've got to retrain the way that you think. It's interesting that Jesus died on Golgotha, the place of the skull. The skull represents the mind. Jesus died at the place of the mind because life's greatest battles happen at the mind. You see, the report that you believe is more important than the news that you receive. Let me say that again. The report that you believe is more important than the news that you receive. You see, you are bombarded by news every day, primarily bad news. You turn on the TV and there is bad news right after bad news. And you've got to make a decision that if you're going to make it in the seasons of your life, you've got to train your mind not to receive the bad news all the time because the report that you believe is greater than the news that you receive. The prophet said, whose report are you going to believe? And the people shouted back, we're going to believe the report of the Lord. You see, the report that you believe is greater than the news that you receive. You're going to receive bad news. You're going to receive bad news here. You're going to receive bad news on the TV. You're going to receive bad news from people. You're going to receive bad news, just like my brother Joel received bad news, faced with cancer. A devastating word that nobody wants to hear. But he had to train his mind to eat right and train his mind to make the right decisions because if he lived according to what he thought, he would have gave up in that season. But he had to train his mind to think differently and do differently. If you're going to make it in the season of your life, you've got to train your mind to think right. You've got to train your mind to think on the Word of God and do what the Word of God says to do. You're not called to quit. You're called to survive and thrive. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. You've got to think on these things. You've got to do these things the apostle said to do. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 112, Psalm chapter 112, look and, let's look at what the writer here says that I think is applicable to you and I. Psalm 112, and I want you to see what he says in verse number 6. I'm almost done tonight. Just be patient with me. Psalm 112, 112, verse number 6. Listen, listen to what the, uh, David says here. Here is David, a man who is perplexed by many troubles. Here is a man who needed, uh, he should have given up because his own family came against him. His own son came against him. But the Bible says that David penned these words and said, Surely he will never be forsaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He goes on to say 
In verse number 7, he will not be afraid of evil tidings. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. What is tidings? News. He's not going to be afraid of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Somebody better just help the preacher preach tonight. He's not going to be afraid of bad tidings. He's not going to be afraid of bad news, for his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. The Bible says in verse number 8, he goes on and says, the heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. You know what David is saying? David is saying in the midst of bad news, in the midst of bad tidings and evil tidings, in the midst of bad news all around me, I'm going to be stable, I'm going to be steadfast, and I'm going to be secure. I'm not going to give in, I'm not going to give up, I'm going to remain secure, steadfast, and stable in spite of the bad news. There's bad news all around us, folks. He said his heart's going to be established. He ain't going to be afraid. The Bible says in verse number, the verse number six, surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Verse number seven, he will not be afraid of bad news. Now I know there's a lot of bad news. You turn on the TV and ISIS is doing this and people are mad at Trump and people are mad at this and the Republicans are mad at the Democrats and the Democrats are mad at the Republicans. Come on somebody. I mean everybody's mad at somebody and everybody's offended at somebody and somebody's offended at church and somebody's mad at church and you look around, there's all kinds of bad news but I'm telling you that if you put your mind on the word of God, you're going to be stable, you're going to be steadfast, you're going to be secure, and it doesn't matter what bad news comes, it's not going to affect how stable you are in the Lord. He says he's not going to be afraid of evildoers, evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Let me tell you something. Y'all been familiar with bad news? You get a phone call in the middle of the night and your heart drops because you don't want to receive bad news. Somebody says to you they need to talk to you. Your heart drops because you instantly think bad news. Your wife tells you, I need to talk to you. You think it's bad news. We're so programmed to hear bad news. And isn't that with the children of Israel? The children of Israel were spying out the land. Moses said, I, I want to take want 12 of you. I want you to just go over here. There's 12 spies, and they went over to spy out the land. And these 12 spies were to come back and to give a report of what they saw. Twelve spies to come back and to give a report of what they saw. The scripture says in Numbers chapter 13, it wasn't as pretty as many people think it was. Numbers chapter 13, verse number 7. Moses, the Bible says, Numbers 13, verse 7. The Bible says in verse number 7. Excuse me, 17. Verse 17. Then Moses sent them up to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way unto the south and go into the mountain. Moses is saying, There is a land that God has promised us, and I need you to go and check it out for me. So you know the Bible 
gives us an indication that they started on their way and they went up. Verse 21, they went up and spied out the land and they continued to go. And verse 23, they went down the valley. And verse 23, they said they found one cluster of grapes that they carried between two of them on a pole. Do you see what happened? They found such big grapes that two people had to carry the grape. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a large grape. Can somebody help the preacher out? Here, these spies, Moses said, go over there and check it out. And they went over there and they found some grapes. And a cluster of grapes that was so big that they had to carry it on the shoulders of a pole. Now, I've lived 30-some years, and I have never seen grapes that big. Can you imagine these spies coming back and they're saying, Moses, you wouldn't believe my eyes. You wouldn't believe the grapes that we saw. That's a good report, isn't it? Here, they're in the wilderness, aren't they? They're, they're wandering in the wilderness. And here Moses is saying, just go over there and spot out and come back and let me know what you saw. They said, boy, we saw these grapes and these grapes were so big. My God, we had to carry it on a pole. Verse 25 said they returned from spying out the land for 40 days. They're spying out the land for 40 days. And they're finding out that the they're finding out that the fruit is huge. They're finding out that there is, you know what God was trying to demonstrate to these people? The land that I'm about ready to take you has more than enough. The land that you're getting ready to possess, the land that you're getting ready to conquer has more than enough. The Bible says, verse 27, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us, and this was their report, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. All these, these spies run back and said, Moses, boy, the land is truly filled with milk and honey, and the, this, is, this is an example of what we found, Moses. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a good report, isn't it? I said, isn't that a good report? But verse 28, they said, but nevertheless, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. We even see the descendants of Anak there. These are large, giant men. He says, now even though there's large grapes there and truly it's a land filled with milk and honey, but nevertheless, there." It's a fortified land and there's strong men there and, and, you know, the people are very strong. Isn't it interesting that we always have a tendency to tack on another report? You see, I'm not saying that you need to deny reality. I think that you need to be aware of reality. God never stepped out on darkness and said, oh, there's no darkness. He stepped out in darkness and realized there's darkness and spoke to the darkness. 
You don't deny reality. This may be reality, but the issue is, is that God, when, when Moses sent these people, Moses never said to them, what I want you to do is size up yourself to see if you can take the land. You can size up the situation, but don't size up yourself. Because if you start to size up yourself, you'll begin to look at your weaknesses and fear will come in your heart and you'll lose heart and you'll never possess the land. So don't size up yourself and think to yourself, I don't got the ability, I can't do it, I can't go there. Because if you start to size up yourself against the enemy, you will be fearful of the weaknesses that you have and you'll never possess the land. The problem with the story was that they were afraid of the people and they started sizing up themselves and realized they couldn't fight against them. God never asked him if they were strong enough to take it. He never asked him if you were strong enough to take the city. That was never the question. He never asked him if they had the ability to take the city. But yet these people, let's read it in context. So they begin to say these, it's, the city is fortified, these the Amalekites dwell there. Verse 29, the Amalekites dwell there by the banks of the Jordan River. Then verse 30, Jor uh, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go at once and take possession for we are well able to do this. Here you see this company of people. Oh, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Look at the grapes. But the people are strong, Moses. And Caleb speaks up in the crowd and says, oh, no, 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 we can do it. We can take possession of this. We're more than able to do it. And then the Bible says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against these people for they are stronger than we are. God never one time said that they should size themselves up against the enemy. He just said, go and spy out the land. They started sizing themselves up in comparison to the enemy. And when you do that, fear will grab your heart and you won't take possession of what God told you to take possession of. In verse 32, And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. You can carry the grapes and be so worried about the giants that you never possess the land. You can carry the grapes and be so worried about the giants that you never possess the land. If you're going to size yourself up in comparison to the enemy, you're going to lose heart. Fear is going to grip your heart and you'll never possess the land. They spread a bad report, didn't they? Caleb said, let's do it. Ten of them said, there's giants. Two of them said, there's grapes. Ten of them said, there's problems. Two of them said, there's promises. And ladies and gentlemen, isn't that what goes on in your mind? You got spies over here saying there's giants and spies over here saying there's grapes and spies over here saying there's problems and spies over here saying there's a promise. Day after day, we're wrestling with the spies. Oh, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You got, you got one 
side of you saying, we can do this. We can possess the land. We can go for it. And then you've got the other saying, it's too strong for you. You see, what are you saying, pastor? I'm saying this, that your faith will die in the desert because of the way that you look at the enemy. You will die in the desert because of the way you look at the enemy. And these people died in the desert. You know why they died in the desert? It wasn't because they couldn't take the land. Caleb said, we're able to take the land. They could have took the land, but they spread a bad report among the people. And people's hearts begin to fail. Your mouth can spread a bad report or a good report. Your mouth could save you. They spread a negative report. Verse 32, spread a negative report, a bad report. And then the last verse, 33, for they saw giants and they were like grasshoppers in their sight. How can you carry the grapes and be worried about the giants? Why did they listen to the ten who spread a bad report? Why didn't the two spread a good report? Why was the bad report greater than the two good report? Because in the end, people are more apt to believe the bad than they are the good. You let somebody tell a lie and it'll spread around Galena and Joplin before truth can get up out of the bed and get their pants on. Because people will believe a lie before they'll believe it true. Somebody say amen. What about it? Your faith will die in the desert simply because of the way we look at the enemy. <laughs> they saw grapes, didn't they? They come back with a good report. But ten of them size themselves up in comparison to the enemy. And when you size yourself up in comparison to the enemy, you will lose heart. And that's why the bad report was spread. The bad report was spread because they sized themselves up in comparison to the enemy. And when you begin to size yourself up in comparison to the enemy... It magnifies your weaknesses. Fear creeps in and you lose heart and you spread a bad report. God never asked them what the size of the enemy was. He never asked them if they were strong enough. Because God was the one that was going to fight their battles. God was the one that was going to defend them in the end. God was just looking for a vessel to use the Bible says in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24, in closing, Numbers 14, verse 24, I love this. This is about Caleb, the man who had a good report, the man who wanted to possess the land, the man who wanted to go forth. But the Bible says, but my servant Caleb, this is the man who really wanted to go forth. He has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. He says, but I'm going to bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. You know what I want to tell you? 
Just because the ten did not believe did not stop Caleb from receiving the blessing of God. The ten who believed the negative did not stop Caleb who wanted to possess it. Don't let a bad report stop you. But go forth in power and boldness to conquer that which God has called you to conquer. But my servant Caleb, he has a different spirit about him. Caleb in the Hebrew means dog. What does a dog do? Follows its master. It's loyal to its master. Caleb was loyal to the master. Because he was loyal in the end, he possessed the land. He possessed everything that God has for him. Psalm 112, verse number 6. David said it like this. Psalm 112, verse 6. A, a surely he will not be shaken, for the righteous will be remembered in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of bad news. But his heart will be established. Trusting in the Lord. He's not going to be afraid of the bad report. His heart's going to be established. He will not be afraid. He'll see his desire upon his enemies. He's going to be established. He's going to be secure. He's going to be steadfast. And he's going to be stable in the end. Hallelujah. Your faith will die in the desert because of the way you look at your enemy. Don't let your faith die in the desert. Change your perception about the enemy. Don't size yourself up with the enemy. But walk in the strength, the courage, and the boldness of God. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your boldness tonight. Thank you for your love tonight. We thank you, Jesus.